Today's guest is Katie Long. Katie is the administrative assistant at Arrowhead Bible Camp, which runs a residential camp for adults with developmental disabilities. Katie has been working with the DD population for 12 years. She is passionate about this group of people and equipping others to care, serve, and educate more people to end the stigma against the developmentally disabled community. Welcome to The Banquet, a podcast that inspires by highlighting stories of the dedicated men and women doing ministry amongst the special needs and disability populations and equips those already engaged in the margins by answering the practical, on-the-ground questions of the ministry. Hi, I'm Ellie McCarty, and today we have Katie Long with us on the air. Hi, Katie. Hi. So, Katie, I have had the privilege of working together with you at an extremely special place, um, which I would love to have you, Katie, get into more detail about it later. But first off, Katie, can you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Yeah, so my name's Katie, and I work for Arrowhead Bible Camp as their administrative assistant. Uh, We run a residential camp for adults with developmental disabilities called Shepherd's Camp. Uh, I first got to Arrowhead um, through a missions trip back in 2008. Um, I was just there for one week and I just fell in love with this place and I ended up serving there for 10 summers. And now I am on their full-time staff, which is just a dream come true for me. So <laughs> so that's been so great. Um, But yeah, my time at Shepherd's Camp, my love for people with disabilities just grew so much. I graduated from college with a degree in early childhood education. And I always felt this calling to work with the special needs community, but I would ignore it because Shepherd's Camp was just so special to me. So I was like, I don't wanna mess up that experience because I knew like how messy uh, working with special needs like that can get. So I graduated college and I worked um, for a preschool class for about a year. And that's when I realized how much I really miss working with the special needs community. So I finally committed to God's plan for my life and I got a job doing direct care for a day and vocational program for adults with developmental disabilities which the, a lot of the clients there in that program were campers from Shepherd's Camp. So that was really, really cool That's to be awesome. able to work with them every day. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my time uh, working with them at that day program, like my passion grew so much more for this population um, and just about educating the general population about them and teaching staff who uh, didn't have prior experience how to work with them properly. Because a lot of times these programs will um, will just hire anyone off the street because they need bodies, they need people working with them. So I saw a lot of that firsthand of someone just jumping in and not really knowing how to work with them. So yeah, so my passion to just really work with staff and to be able to help both staff and the individuals um, to help them make their lives more fulfilling. So. Now that I'm on a full-time staff with Arrowhead, I'm super excited just to be able to jump in and be able to equip our staff who are high school and college age students to be able to have the knowledge to care for people with developmental disabilities and to be able to go into these jobs in this line of work if they choose to, to be able to help 
changed that field work. Wow. Okay. Katie, I don't think I realized how many years of experience you've had in this field. Do you know mm -hmm. how many it is total? Yeah. So I have been working uh, about 12 years. Yeah, it'll be 12 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's a long time. Um, and Katie, can you tell us a little more about this special place called Shepherd's Camp? Yeah, so Shepherd's Camp is a residential camp for adults with developmental disabilities. We're located in Brackney, Pennsylvania, right on the Pennsylvania-New York line. We're about 20 minutes south of Binghamton, New York, and about 45 minutes north of Scranton, PA. We serve around 350 campers from the ages of 13 to our oldest camper we've ever had. She was 97. Um, and this will be our 58th summer of Shepherd's Camp. We offer 11 weeks of summer sessions. Six of those weeks are our two-week sessions. And these sessions, we usually have a five-to-one uh, ratio. So a counselor will have a, five campers in their cabin. And we do our all the classic camp activities. We play kickball. Um, one of our favorites is camper counselor kickball. We have a costume closet and all the counselors dress up in crazy costumes and play kickball with our campers. We uh, do archery. We have a lake, so we go boating. We have pontoon boats and we have a motorized wheelchair accessible boat. Uh, we do a talent show for each of our sessions that our campers love to participate in. So we do all your classic uh, camp activities. We just have them adapted for our campers. And then our other five weeks of camp during the summer are our one-to-one -one sessions. Uh, these sessions are for our campers who have more personal, personalized needs. So we have campers uh, who have feeding tubes, uh, who need special attention because they have um, blood clotting disorders, um, and the majority of our campers who come to these sessions um, have total care needs. Uh, so these week-long sessions, we use them to focus on bringing the program to be individualized depending on the needs of each of our campers. Um, so that's just our summer. And then we also run an additional nine weeks of Shepherd's Camp throughout our year, which are our fall, winter, and spring sessions. We've been doing these for a couple of years now. And these sessions are so great because they are smaller and they're ha they have a more relaxed feel to them. So because of the smaller size of campers that we have, um, we're able to personalize the program to each of our campers. So if a camper likes to bake, uh, we'll be able to bake cookies with them or do some sort of baking or cooking with them. Um, or if they say, hey, I want to do archery today, we're able to pull out the archery stuff and do archery with them. That's awesome. Um, I love that you said we focus on bringing the program to be individualized depending on the needs mm -hmm. of the camper. And I was thinking the church can learn from that. Um, you know, a typical American church kind of functions as a one size fits all. Um, mm -hmm. But reality is that with all of the differences in this world, that's not likely to work for everyone, um, especially people with varying disabilities. Um, I think that the one-size-fits-all approach actually isolates people from, with disabilities from the church. Um, and I think that a church can function more beautifully when the body is 
attentive to the individualized needs of others. Um, and I like to think of that as, you know, we're always giving and we're always receiving. Um, I mean, that really reflects the love of Christ. Um, and also that's when needs are seen and met um, because it's everyone giving to one another as we're giving and receiving to one another. Um, I could go on and on about this topic, um, but truly I do think churches can learn from the way your camp functions. Um, but then also, Katie, can I ask you why Shepherd's Camp was originally created? I mean, what do you think was or is the need for it? Yeah, so Shepherd's Camp was created back in 1962 when two of Arrowhead's staff who are parents of individuals with special needs saw the need to provide a camp experience for the, their children that was safe, fun, and accessible, and was also in a Christian environment. So that first year, Shepherd's Camp, back in 1962, there was one week of camp and they served 15 campers and that has now grown to 20 weeks of camp throughout the year with us serving over 350 campers. Wow, that I, that's still incredible to me. You guys yeah. have grown so much. Um, yeah. And Katie, since you have so much experience with people with disabilities, can you tell us a little bit about the history of adults with disabilities? Mm -hmm. And if you have an exam any examples to share, feel free to share it with us. Yeah, so the movement of disability rights, I feel, is still very new. Um, so prior to the 1960s, it was just super normal for um, for parents who had a child with special needs to just put them in an institution. So people with um, disabilities were put in institutions. And then in, 19, in the 1960s, that's when there was a big movement to end all these institutions. Out of this movement came um, the exposure of Willowbrook, which is one of the famous, more famous um, institutions. And so there's actually a really good documentary on this institution, but everything that they did in this institution, like it was, it was horrific. Like uh, the patients were sitting in the dark. They didn't have any clothes on. They um, just, the conditions were terrible. Um, so the 1960s was a big movement to end all the institutions. And then in the 70s and 80s, there was a big movement to just bring all the issues of disability rights too late. And out of that movement there in, uh, I believe it was 1972, independent living centers were created to support people with disabilities to live within the mainstream community. Um, and then in the 90s, the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA was passed. And like this was just a big, big stepping stone for uh, the disability movement. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the ADA requires that all public facilities to have accommodations for people with disabilities and, prohibit, and prohibited the discrimination of people with disabilities. So now public places require that you had an elevator, you have doorways that someone in a wheelchair can get through and that um, you can't discriminate anyone with a disability 
to get a job, that sort of thing. So like now, I would say early 2000s to now, there's a have been a big movement of inclusion, of breaking down stereotypes um, and trying to get people with disabilities to work in the community. And there's been a big, there's been a big movement of using people, people-centered language. Um, and that is talking about the for person first before you even mention their diagnosis or their disability. Um, and with that came removing the R word from people's vocabulary and bringing that to light. And there's and with this inclusion movement, there's also been a big push with um, self-advocacy um, to help to help people with disabilities to be self-advocates and to help them live um, a more fulfilling life as independently as possible. Wow, yeah. So coming from institutions prior to the 1960s where they were pretty much dehumanized, um, then jumping to the 70s and 80s where we began to start noticing people with disabilities as real people. Um, I mean, that's a huge jump. Um, but also I'm kind of shocked that it took that long. Um, and even that it's taken us this long Mm -hmm. um, to get where we are today and to know that there's still a long way to go. Um, that is just really eye-opening to me. Um, so thank you for sharing that bit of information to us. Um, switching tracks real quick, Katie, can you please tell us a little bit about the campers you see each summer and feel free to share a few stories or any eye-opening moments for you? Yeah, so the campers we serve they aren't kids, we serve adults. Um, the average age of our campers we serve is 55 years old. So there's a lot of gray-haired people running around doing uh, camp activities, but it's, great. it's so great. Um, and a perk of having our campers being adults, they return year after year. We have some campers that have been coming for over 40 years. Wow. And because, yeah, and because we uh, are able to see them come back year after year, we're able to build those relationships with them. Um, I've been involved with this ministry for 12 years. So a lot of these campers I have known for 12 years and have been able to build really great friendships with them, which have been really, really awesome. That's great. Um, yeah. So we serve a wide range um, of abilities. We have campers who are completely independent. They live on their own. They have jobs out in the community. Um, and then we also have campers that um, they need total care assistance. Um, they're wheelchair bound, they're nonverbal. Um, but even coming to camp, it, it's just so great because um, we're able to highlight every ability and we're especially with our talent show every session we have a talent show um and so like our one-on-one -on -one sessions it our acts usually range in like um bouncing a ball or singing a song to our uh two-week sessions where we have campers who practice practice their act all year long like they cannot wait <laughs> to get up there and perform it's so much fun um but yeah, like our campers, they're just so much fun. They have the biggest heart for people. 
we have one lady who she is just the most bubbly person I have ever met. She goes up to everyone, good morning, sunshine, like so happy. <laughs> like I am not a morning person at all, but she just makes me so happy in the morning. I'm like it is 7 a.m. I have not had my coffee yet, <laughs> but you are just making me so happy. Like she, she, oh, she's the best. Um, yes, but they're, they're all like that. They're all, they're all just so much fun. Um, I don't think I've had really any eye-opening moments. I think it just my experience um, overall at um, at camp has made me realize that our campers are people. They're people with emotions, and they they have their own personal problems. Um, when I first, I mean, when I first started working here, I was only 15, so you know, uh, some campers would get upset, they'd be like, oh, this song reminds me of my dad. My dad died like 10 years ago. And to myself, I'm like, well, it was 10 years ago. Like, why, <laughs> why are you upset? You, you should be over this by now. But now, but now age and wisdom has shown me that, you know, you know, everyone does have your personal problems. And, you know, so now I feel with them, I'm able to emphasize with them and so yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the church is kind of still in the beginning stage of getting its feet wet in learning how to reach out and invite people with disabilities into the church body and kingdom of God. Um, I mean, people with disabilities are the world's largest unreached people group. So in your work with adults with disabilities, have you seen that firsthand? Yeah, I have. Um, some of the challenges I've seen with this. Um, so there, there's not enough staff in a group home to take um, the individual who wants to go to church to actually take them. Um, that's either because uh, the individuals living in a group home that has more than a few people living in the home, and there's usually only one staff um, on the working at a time. So if only one person wants to go to church and everyone else doesn't, then more than likely um, they won't be taking them to church. Um, I've also seen it because maybe the whole house does want to go to church, but the person, the staff, um, just isn't willing to take them to church. Um, and I've also uh, noticed that there just really aren't programs for those with disabilities to allow um, caregivers or parents a break to be able to be engaged in the church service, um, either because the parents don't trust other people to take care of their individual or um, because they are in the church service but their individuals with them in the service so they're just focusing uh, all their attention on their individual during the service instead of actually being engaged in what's happening on stage hmm. yeah yeah and you had me thinking that transportation is a huge 
issue. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like people have to give up their personal Sunday morning routine. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, to us in, you know, first world problems, that sounds like a lot. Um, Getting up is hard for some people, but also scripture calls us to lay down our lives for our brothers. Um, So how much are we willing to sacrifice to welcome and invite this people group um, into the kingdom of God to see and hear and experience the gospel. I mean, that's just something to think about. Um, But Katie, how do you guys share the gospel with them um, with, or with the campers that you see? I know some churches would love a couple of ideas. Yeah. So in our shepherds camp programming, um, we have times built into our our schedule um, that we do purposely share the gospel message with our campers. Um, In the morning, we do morning rotations. And one of those rotations, we have uh, music and Bible time. So that's structured a lot like a Sunday school message. Um, We have um, our camp songs that we've seen with them that that are based off of Bible verses. Um, And then we have our Bible lesson with that. And then later in the evening, we have a time of chapel. Um, And then later uh, throughout the day, we do have time within our schedule that we're able to share the gospel message with our campers. I know one of my favorite times during the day um, when I was a counselor was bedtime because all all my ladies would be getting ready for bed or they'd be in bed and I'd be able to ask them, oh, what'd you learn in music and Bible or chapel today? And we'd be able to um, have that time to talk about what they were learning. Um, and also that time was just so great to be able to pray with them, to, to be able to read scripture with them. So that was always really, really great. Sounds like incredible work that you all are doing. Um, And kind of from what I've heard, uh, Shepherd's Camp is almost considered a safe haven for the campers that you receive. Um, Why is that? And how can the church learn from the work of Shepherd's Mm -hmm. Camp? Yeah, so for the majority of our campers um, coming to camp for the summer, that is their vacation. That is how they're choosing to spend their vacation. Um, So it's become their home away from home. And because our campers do come to camp for such a long time, um, they get to see lifelong friends. A lot of our campers, um, they have been friends with each other for 20, 30 some years. Um, And just coming to camp has um, just become a really great way to escape the mundane of everyday life. And also, if our campers aren't in a day had program or they don't live in a group home, um, sometimes they'll be living with mom and dad who are older. So it, they're not getting out and about. So it's just them at home with mom and dad. So camp has become a place to help prevent social isolation and um, just so they can see their friends. Um, and also our two week sessions, sometimes we can get up around 80 campers Hmm. So um, the majority of people on site are people with disabilities, which isn't your norm in everyday life. Like you don't see that anywhere else. Right. Um, So I think for what the church can 
learn from Shepherd's Camp. So our approach with our, uh, with our staff when we train them, um, when we train them and throughout the summer is to really drive home the message that our campers are people. It's that idea of people-centered language um, and just reminding our staff that Jesus came to save people and he came to serve people. So why wouldn't we serve our campers? Um, so our one of our previous program managers would always tell the story during uh, our staff training about when he was a counselor and um, had that realization that my campers are people too and Jesus served people. So his story is that he was helping one of his campers shower and um, he found himself washing his camper's feet. And that's when he realized Jesus came to save, Jesus came to serve people, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. So why shouldn't I take the time to wash my camper's feet? And um, and he and our um, manager would challenge all of us, when you're showering your campers, wash your campers' feet, be like Jesus, literally be like Jesus. And so that, that has always um, driven home or that has always just been such an inspiration and and yeah definitely something I aspire to do and um, I think the church can learn from us. Yeah wow that's a really powerful story um, and it would be amazing if camps weren't on, the only safe haven um, for mm. people with disabilities. Yeah. I mean what if the church is another constant that people with disabilities can look forward to. Um, and what if the church functions as a safe place for this population as well? I just mm. see so much opportunity for the church to be the church here. So Katie, before we close, I would love for you to also give us some insight on the caregivers that you've seen and worked with. Um, I mean, they give mm -hmm. so much, um, lots of it is hard work. Um, so on behalf of the church, how can the church provide for caregivers as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we definitely have an interesting mix of care providers that come through our doors. On one end, we have the residential staff that it's just their job. You can tell that's just their job. Um, but then we also have residential staff um, or life chair families who have been with their people for years and years and they absolutely love what they do. Like, you can totally see it. We have um, one care provider who she takes care of four guys in wheelchairs and she whenever she sends them to camp for the week she's um, I know the past past few times she sent them to camp um, she does it just so she can get the floors in her house redone so that she's able to take care of her guys better. Um, and then we also have um, families who take care of um, their relative, either that's their son, their daughter, sister, brother, whatever, um, with a disability. And they're, because they are related and they love them so much, it's just really, really hard for them to let go of that person. Um, so yeah, we have 
we have this mix of care providers, but um, I think what their church can do, um, I think they can provide respite opportunities um, mm. for them. You can provide breaks for care providers, whether that's just for a few hours a day, for a day or two, or for a week or a few weeks, just some kind of opportunity to be able to take a break, just to be able to have a place that um, they can trust to take care of their individuals so that um, they can have a break. Because um, a lot of the times, especially when it comes to um, parents who are taking care of an adult with a disability, the parents are older too. So they really need like that extra time to be able to have the break, to be able to take care of themselves um, so that they are able to take care of their of their loved one with a disability. Um, something else um, that would be so great, the church would um, be able to help care providers find a support network if they don't already have one. Just um, other people who know what it's like to care for an individual with a, with a disability. Um, I mean, I, I only worked in a day program, so um, I wasn't taking care of someone 24-7, but just me still being able to talk to my friends outside of my agency who worked in the same field as me, to just be able to relate to them, that just spoke so much volumes. Like, I knew like, oh, these people understand what I'm going through right now, and it was just so great to be able to have those people and to be able to have that support network. Yeah, so I think as caregivers, um, we really want what's best for our individual that sometimes we forget that they are adults. Um, they may have childlike tendencies, so that's sometimes it's easy to forget that they are, they are adults, um, but from what from my experience, from what I've seen, most of them, they do want to be independent as possible. They want to move out on their own. They want to get their license. They want jobs in the community. Um, and they just want to be able to make their own choices. The um, company I previously worked for, they, they pushed for our clients to give them choices, to always um, present them with making choices. And I am so for that. Um, we would have one client, she, whenever we would redirect her um, because she was breaking a rule or for whatever reason, she would get upset because she felt like her independence was being taken away. And she would straight up tell us, you are taking my independence away. I <laughs> want to be independent. And then we would then we'd go into the whole spiel of no we're not taking your independence away we just need to follow rules that that sort of thing um yeah and i think just also being a part of a special needs ministry we're always looking for ways to share the gospel um with people that sometimes we forget to look for the ways that um our individuals with disabilities are sharing the gospel with us. Um, I have learned some of the most val valuable life lessons and lessons about who God is and the love he has 
for us from our campers and from previous clients. Um, I had, so I had a camper um, for a one-to-one -one session. I had her a couple years in a row and um, she was in the early stages of dementia and she had issues with um, some sensory issues. So walking from a place with hardwood floors onto to, uh, another area of the room that had carpet into another room that had tile, tile she just was not for it. Um, and uh, she would, there was one day I had to get her to shower. Like it was like non-negotiable. Like we've gone too many days. Like we need, we need a shower. Um, and just trying to get her into the bathroom was such a struggle. I think it took us, we finally got her in the bathroom. And then I think that took us about like an hour to get her in the bathroom. <laughs> and then finally in the bathroom in the shower, it took us oh gosh it probably took us another hour but then we did we did get her to shower um and, and then after that whole ordeal um was happening we were back at the activity tables coloring her most favorite activity and she turned to me and she said i'm sorry i love you Aww. and she <laughs> like she doesn't really talk at all and uh so in that moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, of course I forgive you. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. And yeah, and it wasn't really, it was later that fall when I was home after camp ended that I was, that moment came to my mind. I was starting reflecting on it. And I realized in my moment, hey, I'm, I'm my camper. When God tells me to go do something, I am stubborn. I put up a fight and I say, no way, God, I am not doing that. And then I go, I finally submit to whatever it is that God's telling me to do. And I do it. And then I go, oh, hey, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. And, you know, and then God being the good, gracious God, he is full of grace and full of love for us. He's like, yes. I, I will forgive you. I love you too. And yeah, that's probably one of the biggest um, moments or stories from camp that I'm just like, wow, like these guys reflect God. These guys reflect the gospel message right back to me. So Yeah. Wow. That is like such a beautiful comparison. And yeah, that's like a perfect example of how the Lord can also teach us in those moments. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we're all human. We all make mistakes, mm -hmm. but, you know, thankful for what the Lord um, has done for us and is doing for us. So, okay, Katie, last question. Um, I think that Shepherd's Camp is a great resource for churches that are looking for ways to include people with disabilities. Um, so I want to ask you, who can get involved at Shepherd's Camp and how? Yeah, so we have a lot of different ways that you can get involved um, here at Arrowhead. Um, so we're always looking for um, people to join our summer staff. So you have to be 16 or older to join our summer staff. Um, and then we also have volunteer opportunities. Um, 
So youth groups, families, small groups, um, they can come and be part of our James project or they could come at, as work groups. Um, so our James project groups usually serve in our kitchen. They'll, um, they'll do prep for meals, they'll clean our bathrooms, they'll jump in on our programming for Shepherd's Camp. And then work groups, they usually end up um, working on bigger projects around camp, um, sometimes helping out with like maintenance projects. Um, and then we also have our launch initiative, which is a gap year program for graduated high school seniors. Um, and that program has been designed to um, help them look for their next step. Um, and they earn 30 college credits um, completely debt free. They raise their own funding mm -hmm. for it and they serve as our um, as our counselors for our fall, uh, spring and winter sessions throughout the year. Um, and then we are always looking for people to come support and invest in our ministry. And um, that's what we call our friends and fanatics. So um, people who invest and support in our ministry. And then we, we also have um, a very cool event coming up. Um, we're having our art au auction, and um, that is to celebrate Arrowhead's 75th anniversary, which is this year. Um, so all the pieces of art that we'll be getting are uh, made by artists with special needs. So um, right now the date is to be determined just because of our circumstances <laughs> right now. Um, right, yeah. So yeah, so that will either be, um, later this fall or um, sometime later in 2021 of next year. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and just listening to those opportunities, um, it sounds like James Project and even work groups are like kind of cool ways for churches to that are still getting their feet wet to, you know, be a little more um, immersed into what it's like to see and serve and love and welcome people with disabilities. Um, those are great opportunities for churches to look into. Um, Katie, I think the work of Shepherd's Camp is doing powerful and really beautiful work. Um, there's so much love all over it. I, I mean, you all are really demonstrating the hands and feet of Jesus, and I do pray that the Lord blesses you all in that. And also, I hope that this podcast was a helpful resource to the church as many are looking to learn more about inviting people with disabilities into the love of Christ. So I hope this was a helpful podcast for you guys today. Um, Katie, thank you for being with us and thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Until next time on Welcome to the Banquet. Our guests are truly amazing people. So we encourage you, our listeners, to connect with them. Contact information and short bios will be listed in the details of this podcast. Thanks for listening and join us next time at Welcome to the Banquet.